I invite you to take out a Bible or on your tablet. If you don't have a Bible, perhaps you can reach under the chair in front of you. I'd like to uh, go through, as by way of introduction, a little bit of what Paul is saying in the context of our thoughts this morning on redemptive conversation. What does it mean? What does it look like if we follow what those words were spoken by Paul to the Ephesians and to us. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open it. If you're using the one in front of you, you could open it to page 976. But let's bow once more and ask God's blessing on his word. Father in heaven, the psalmist has declared that you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And so it is our posture of heart and mind and body right now to bow before your word and before the name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. Thanking you that we can come to a place like this freely, give praise to the wonder of your cross, and now sit under these words that we might be filled and formed and changed. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in me and us this morning, that you would put away anything that would place an obstacle in our minds or hearts from hearing from you. Get me out of the way of what you want to say today. Thank you, Father, that your spirit is in this place Now I ask that you would, by your spirit, teach us, change us, challenge us, so that we might be your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 1997, Stephen Covey, uh, kind of business consultant, wrote a now famous book, still read by many, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he is known for a famous quote, which is this, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And for him, it was a word to businesses, know your purpose and don't let anything, no emotion, no circumstance, keep you from that purpose. Go towards that vision with courage and perseverance. But that's business. The passage that we're reading today is one of a book, a letter that Paul wrote that is unlike any other letter he wrote in the New Testament scriptures. Most of the letters he's writing to the Corinthians, to the Galatians and others are to address a specific conflict or a specific concern. And, and you have this dialogue going on. You don't, we don't have their response, but like Corinthians, there's probably three letters going back and forth where Paul is giving them instruction about specific questions and specific issues. Or he writes to Timothy and others to give them a context about how they should lead or what the church should be in this situation. But Ephesians is not like that. Ephesians is, is, is Paul's magnum opus. It's, the, it's, it's, it's almost as if you can feel Paul writing from the heavens 
from 42,000 feet and looking down and saying, my, 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 what has Jesus done? What manner of life is possible because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus? This is Paul's main thing. And he wants us to hear and to keep and to do the main thing. So what's the main thing? Well, we've been talking about it all for the last six, seven, eight weeks. The main thing is Jesus is Lord. The victory's been won. Death has been defeated. There's hope forever. Jesus is Lord. And because Jesus is Lord, something is possible in us that's impossible in any other way. We can, with God's help, on the basis of the enabling, empowering presence of God's Spirit, we can actually do what God's been saying to us for thousands of years. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's possible now because of Jesus. That's good news. That's great news. And Paul wants to remind the Ephesians and us today, this gospel changes everything. It turns darkness into light. It turns the old into new. It makes possible a way of life. And in our context today, a way of having conversation that is totally unique and stands in stark contrast to all the babbling conversations out there that are mostly antagonism. That's possible because of who God is. And Paul wants to remind us of this. And so he starts, and I'll just go through these verses quickly. I think sometimes the best sermon is just to read the scripture and say, let's sit under this. Let's have the scripture read us instead of we read the scripture. And so I'm kind of going to do that today. Let's allow God's word to seep into our hearts as it comes directly from Paul. So he starts in the first chapter and he says that God chose us. God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. God knew you and chose you. He knew you'd be here this morning. He's closer to you right now than the person sitting next to you. He knows more about you than you. He chose us. And what did he choose us to be? Holy and blameless. Who feels holy and blameless today? Yeah. Left to our own devices. No way. That's going to happen. But no, it's possible. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us. In him... Paul says, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his richness of grace. You are not your sin. Jesus has removed it. And he's placed upon you a new identity. God in Christ has claimed you and said, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my friend. In him you also have heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. And because of that, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you know there is nothing that can touch you? Nothing if you're a follower of Jesus. There is no storm. There is no sin. There is nothing that can keep you from the love of God in Christ Jesus because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. That's a good thing. It's the main thing. And so he goes on to this Thanksgiving. There's several prayers through this, and they're just glorious words. Receive these words from God to you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus and having your eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you've been called and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his immeasurable greatness of his power towards you and me and all who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Do you see what Paul is saying? God is working in you with the same power he raised Jesus from the dead. That's a lot of power. We have access. And by the way, the word you here is the plural. Paul is speaking to the church. That is, all of us together inherit these things. Chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which we loved us, even though we were dead in our sin, made us alive together in Christ. It is by grace you've been saved. Not anything you can do, not your works, not anything you can earn. Grace, grace, grace. We've made one in Christ. Paul says, remember, remember, now in Christ Jesus, we who are once far away have been brought near. And he's given us peace. And he's torn down the dividing wall. So that all the antagonisms, all the divisions that you get outside these doors and you see every day through social media or here on the news, all that stuff is broken down by Jesus. Because he came and preached peace. Jesus came and preached himself because he is peace. In him you also were being built together into a dwelling place. God dwells in us. God is present. God was present in our praises this morning. Did you feel it? Did you sense that God is here? And that as we, he, he's inhabiting the words of the songs as we sing. And he's here. The creator of the universe is present among us. And so in chapter 3 it says, and again, it's, it's Paul saying, the manifold wisdom of God in the church is being put on display. And the principalities and powers shudder. And all the world sees, here's what's possible. 
when a people come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so he he ends chapter 3 with these great, great words. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you and me to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you and I and all of us together being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height of the love of God. Further than east to west or north to south, the love of God fills us with the fullness of God. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you we together might be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory, and in the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever, amen. See the glory, it's just like, hallelujah. This is what it means to know Jesus. This is the manner of life that's possible because of who he is and what is God, what God has done. And so through Paul's eyes, we can even sense this morning, God is so good. And he's called us into this thing called the church where we are called out of the world to be formed in such a way that we go back into the world and be a living witness to the power of the love of Christ. And all of that is what the church is for and what it is. And so in these first three chapters, we have, this is the glory of the church. This is the glory of Christ. This is the main thing. And then uh, then as Paul does so craftily in in all of his writings, he goes, okay, let's get practical. (laughs) Let's come down to ground level. And in chapters four, five, and six, he gets really practical. This is what it looks like in a marriage. This is what it looks like in raising kids. This is what it looks like when you're in a spiritual battle. This is what it looks like in our conversation with one another. So in chapter 4, he begins, let's live this life. In fact, Paul says, I urge you. There's a play on words here. There's a, a present, past, and future tense of the word call. I call you present tense, to live into your calling, past tense, into God's call for you in the future. What does that look like? It looks like people who are gentle, who have a disposition of character that defers to others. In a world full of antagonism, here's a people of peace. Here's a people who don't get riled up with the latest tweet. Here's a people who have an understanding that we're called to humility, to gentleness, to patience, to bearing with one another. Eager, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All of the energy is unity. And just so Paul reminds us, because why? Because we are members of one Lord, 
One body, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. One, one, one. Echoing the words of Jesus that he prayed in that upper room. I pray for all who will believe in me, Father, that they might be one. He goes on to talk about the gifts and how he has gifted God through the power of Christ, has gifted the church with apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds or pastors for the purpose of equipping, training, making sure all of us are coming together so we grow up, we learn. And we're not like infants out in a boat on sea without a rudder getting blown here and there of every wind of doctrine, every crazy idea that keeps coming up. No, we have leaders who are equipping us. And we together are in the word, doing what we're doing here, saying, Lord, speak to us through your word. Teach us what it means to follow you. Not like that. Paul says, like this, rather, speaking the truth in love, you, me, our church, all believers, will literally grow up. It's a conditional clause. Paul is saying that your ability, my ability, the ability of this church to grow spiritually, emotionally, I would even say numerically is directly related to how we speak truth in love. Let me state it negatively. We don't speak truth in love. We do not grow. The fruit will say or bear the tail. Are you growing? Do you have someone in your life, anyone, who will look you in the eye and say to you with all the love because they do love you, you're wrong. What you said was not right. How you're thinking has gotten off. What you did is not the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't look like Jesus. In fact, it goes against specifically what Jesus said. Do you have someone in your life that can tell you that? Because if you don't, you're not going to grow. Proverbs says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. An enemy multiplies kisses. Do you hear what that's saying? It's saying what Paul is trying to say to us here. If we don't speak truthfully to one another, if we hedge our bets, if we keep secrets, if we tell people what we want to hear, that's, an, that's the act of an enemy, not a friend. Because a friend will look you in the eye and say, I love you, but you're wrong. Years ago, we told you a little bit of our story yesterday. Years ago, after we came through a, a huge issue in our marriage and life, 
And I began to feel like, well, maybe God is calling to, us to do something at church. And so we thought about maybe we could, have, we could do a retreat center or something. And I called one of my best friends from college, and I said, John, I'm thinking about doing a retreat center to help train pastors. He goes, uh, Jim, that's great. Don't you think you ought to be a pastor first? Good point. I've had people look me in the eye and say, Jim, that is the dumbest thing you've ever said because that's what I needed to hear. Or what you are doing is wrong. That, that's what Paul is saying here. In the body of Christ, because the basis, the main thing of our coming together is love, truth has power. Let me just pause here and say something about the nature and the function of truth and love. What is Paul saying when he says speaking the truth in love? And actually a better translation would be truthing in love because it's not just speech. You can lie through your teeth without saying a word. Silence is often deceit. The word for truth here has the connotation that all things true, not just what your words say. But even better, we know that truth is not a concept or a, you know, um, a philosophical construct. That's how it is for the world. What is it for us who follow Jesus? It's a, truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Same for love. John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross. The nature of truth, the nature of love is Jesus. And what Paul is saying to us is make Jesus the center of the words and the manner in which we converse with one another. How would that change the way you talk, the jokes you tell? the secrets you keep. Yow. That's the nature of truth. What is the function of truth? The function of truth is to sanctify you, to clean you. Jesus prays for his disciples in the upper room. Father, I pray that you would sanctify them, literally clean them by your truth. Your word is truth. Why is it good for us to be in the word? Because we need to get cleaned up on a daily basis. And when we read the scriptures for today and we see one another at the Publix or someplace, we can talk about the weather, we can talk about the sports teams, but now we can talk about the gospel too. Because did you read the scripture this morning? How did you hear that? And be challenged by it. Truth sanctifies, love sacrifices. The kind of love that God calls us to, that Paul is speaking about in this passage, is a love that is self-sacrificing. Therefore, put away falsehood. 
Speak truthfully to your neighborhood. Put off the old self, the lies, the secrets, the deceit, the protecting. You don't protect people from the truth. You speak the truth and treat one another as adults with complete transparency, knowing that God, by his spirit, will live in that truth and help us all understand it. But if we keep it a secret, if we don't speak it, we won't grow. That's true in your marriage. That's true in your friendships. That's true with the students you study at school and the people you work with at work. Yeah, there's time to disagree. There's times to get angry. There's times to actually say really hard things because they need to be said. And sometimes we'll say them in the wrong way, but we'll hear it and give permission to do that because we know that God can sanctify the truth through it and work his forgiveness and peace in our understanding that I'm sorry, I should have said it a different way, but here's what I meant. And you have that kind of give and take. You know what happens? Iron sharpens iron. And we grow up together. And Jesus gets the glory. And the Holy Spirit is work. And now we can learn and grow. and And our character is changed. That's what it means to live in the body. That's the main thing. Are you doing it? Why not? Paul is telling us this is what it looks like. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is building up. God in Christ is calling you and me and this church particularly to renew the practice of redemptive conversations. beginning in about 20 minutes. Because we have a report for you that will be very hard for you to hear. But it's true. And you need to know it. And we need to learn how to process this information and hear from God and say, we're going to change. With God's help, we got to change because we can't keep going the direction we're going. Now that's the hard news. Here's the hope. Jesus is Lord. Jesus loves this body. And the Holy Spirit is grieved with us because we haven't been doing truth and love. But it all can change. It all can change if we just get down on our knees and say, Lord, you are Lord. Change us. Change us today. Change me. Change my marriage. Change my friendships. Change this church. Change, change, change us, Lord, to be more like your son, Jesus. Do you want that? It's there for our taking. Everything you need, everything this church needs to grow and prosper, to be filled with the Spirit, 
to see God do miracles in the life of people. It's already been done for you. We need to claim it. Speak the truth in love. And in all things, let's grow up into him who is head, our Savior, our Lord, the King of all creation, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your word would go into our hearts and minds and change our souls to love you, to seek you, to grow in you. I pray that the truth of your gospel, the truth of Jesus would clean us so that the love of Jesus might flow through us and the world might see what manner of life is possible when a people make the main thing the main thing to make Jesus Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
determined in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and i will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus face For being here this morning. If you're visiting uh, with us, we, we uh, send you with God's blessing and peace that you would take what you have heard from the words of praise we've sung and however God has spoken to you through his word, that you would be encouraged with the truth and love of Christ and that you would know him and serve him. Thanks for being here today. We're going to take 15 minutes. You can stay here if you'd like or if you'd like to just take a break and come back. And then we'll be giving you about a 45-minute report uh, to the church. Uh, so you uh, all are welcome to stay. But uh, let's dismiss this service now. May the peace of Christ and the love of God be yours today. Through the meeting to follow through this week and every day of your life. 
as you live into the hope that is ours, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we will live with him forever. Hallelujah. Thank you.